Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the 1099 Podcast. As always, I am your host, Joseph Noop, and I am joined this week by my highly esteemed friend, uh, news editor at Gama Sutra, uh, Alyssa Macaloon. How you Hello. doing? Thanks for pronouncing the spaces and the pronunciation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, Mac hyphen a uh, hyphen loon, period. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the period's the most important part. It's silent, though, so. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Dude, yeah, it is an absolute joy to have you on. Um, For folks who have been longtime 1099 listeners, this is the second time we've had you on for uh, uh, specifically some Hitman discussion. You know, I I thought, like, I love Hitman. Um, Alyssa is a Hitman aficionado uh, through and through. I think it's probably, like, the game you must play, like, the most every damn year. Um, I would be terrified to know my, like, cumulative playtime because i only started playing in 2017 and it did just it took over it was fast it's it it gets a tooks in you but Mm -hmm. uh i i thought you know hey in these tumultuous times where um the global economy seems to be falling apart (laughs) what instead of trying to explain gamestop stocks stonks uh we will be uh discussing a hitman who murders rich assholes instead uh which i think will be much more beneficial for our collective psyche (laughs) The the fun overlap and the IOI Twitter account uh, did tweet. I think I think they tweeted something about it or someone did. But there is a level in Hitman Two, one of the DLC levels where you can crash the stock market. So like the parallels of like Hitman <laughs> happening and this yes. happening is just like where the, where the time is overlapping. And no, it's good. God, like a New York Stock Exchange floor because like was it uh, Hitman Two had the bank DLC mm-hmm. level, and I think that's that's where what you mean, right? Is yeah, um, yeah, yeah uh the stock the new york stock exchange uh as a level would be fascinating just like people going instead of like calm npcs you have like like frantic asshole-ish screaming npcs no matter what Mm -hmm. because it's like oh bye 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 sell 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 be a great way to flex all that like crowd whatever tech keeps their crowds afloat in this just like packed floors but yeah, I uh, Hitman 3 uh, released uh, sometime last week. Uh, I think we all kind of, I you know what, I was so eager for Hitman that uh, <laughs> JV Gwaltney gave me a code uh, from Ooh. Tara Bruno PR, and it was for PC, but for one reason or another, Epic was just choking to death, and I was like, mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this, so I blew like 50 or 60 bucks on the playstation 5 uh version it was like no i need this now uh and i couldn't even wait for the um the what was it the little like save file transfer thing they had set up where it's like hey do this now or else your progress from one and two won't carry over and i was like "Ah, i I don't care i need hitman in my veins right now uh, I was very close to that too, and had like I had some issues. Like they had that tool, uh, had was struggling, and that's understandable because like it's just a lot to handle through a web tool. But like I, I'm like worst case, I can play more Hitman. Like if yeah. I my progress gets wiped, oh no, I have to replay a oh, level. No. I'm gonna play a hundred times. Like it's fine, <laughs> it's all okay. I uh, the, and gosh, there's something about like revisiting uh, places after a while where like I I, I feel like for as vast as some of those hitman levels are they're really good about um uh peeling back different layers of like how uh areas both interact with each other and just like exist as their own kind of separate entity but we'll get into that i think hitman 3 released last week and uh by and large i I feel like this is weirdly enough 
I guess Hitman 2 was just kind of in a weird position having like been released from the jaws of Square Enix suddenly. Uh, yeah. Hitman 3 seems to have been where a lot of people jumped on. Um, as as a, uh, a hitman yourself, Alyssa, uh, how does... How <laughs> no, does no, it... no, don't say that so loud. I don't want them coming after Cough, me. cough, cough, cough. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, has it been interesting to see like people jump on the hitman hype train? Yeah, um, so... F- for a lot of people, I've talked to several folks who have tried to get into the first two, um, or the first two in the World of Assassination trilogy, and like they just didn't click, and then there's just something in Hitman 3 that's clicked with them. I have no idea what that is, because they're all, like, in my eyes, they're all perfect, but like there's just some some factor in these ones that like the story hit the right beat, the like gameplay hit the right kind of like right amount of hand-holding, finally, and just kind of like got enough to intro new people into the kind of like cyclical gameplay of hitman and i i don't understand why like i need to talk to more hitman newbies and kind of like pull them about it because it's got to be a completely different game when you're just meeting it for the first time yeah and it's really interesting to see that you know uh, over the three entries and its various dlc the formula has not really changed that much um like literally like the the most different thing at least mechanically that they add is a cell phone you can use to take pictures and scan stuff with but um yeah i think weird but i i think it also has to deal with you know uh, the playstation 5 and the series x are out and uh people are just like immediately hungry for some new stuff to play um Mm -hmm. in the like post immediate launch window where things are like and of course this being a year where everything gets delayed to kingdom come uh i'm sure like made the difference for a lot of people oh yeah and hitman's like it's a hitman 3 especially is a gorgeous game like i get stuck looking at reflections and floors and like little scuff marks from boots on there and like i don't know i think it has that going for it too where yeah people were kind of craving this like next gen experience and coming off of like i've been playing a lot of cyberpunk it's clicked with me in a weird way that i don't have time to go into but uh (laughs) coming off of cyberpunk which very clearly does not look like that next gen promise we were given and then going from that into hitman is just like it's such a difference it just it endears it even more it just really speaks well for the i don't know the what the next gen can do yeah ray tracing uh dude like the i i had to like go back and like double check that you know did sapienza look this good you know kind of thing but mm-hmm. i i called uh my partner over to the tv when i was going through the uh, the dartmoor mansion the the knives out level and the like large um living room kind of area or ballroom area where like the family meets together uh, mm-hmm. the the way the sun kind of shines and filters through the like very you know it feels very old and like dusty but also clean because this is a place being like you know constantly managed by a team of uh of people probably waxing the floors and shit mm-hmm. um yeah it, it it was like wow i I've always loved existing inside of Hitman levels and seeing the tiny little details kind of pop out, but I think that Dartmoor Mansion was um, uh, particularly a standout piece. Yeah, they're really good at creating levels that have a really um, strong sense of self, I think is kind of where I'm coming from for that, where Mm -hmm. obviously, like, you'll see reused assets, especially in earlier games between levels, but, like, each level is very distinctly it. And I don't know if that makes sense, but, like... I don't know. It's 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 Hitman. I don't I don't know. I lost my train of thought there. No, but well, it's Hitman. <laughs> it's funny you you raise that point because like one of the like earliest consistent criticisms of the like 2016 reboot, and I I don't know how much they did this in the uh, Hitman Two, was like 
even though you were going to a place like Sapienza, um, you know, a, a place that has a very, that in theory has a very distinct culture from Hokkaido or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, the, the NPC chatter was obviously like a lot of the same actors, you know, coming in and out of the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have like, you know, John Everyman is like a Italian, uh, you know, you have uh, someone speaking in an accent and then you knock him over the head and the accent disappears. Like. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I've I've brained the accent out of them. Uh, <laughs> Hitman my, Three my is Hitman a technique. lot better about that. Um, yeah. I watched the credits for it until like I realized the credits had the credits for Hitman Two and Hitman Hitman One. I'm like, I'll be here all night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they have. Uh, if you go through the credits, they have different like guard from England, guard from uh, Dubai, and like different accents per like the location, so that immersion isn't quite so broken this time around. It's just kind of like. Their attention to details gone goes up with every game. It feels like, and this kind of like this is they finally hit like the sweet spot for a lot of things. I yeah. feel like with Hitman Three, I I think we'll get to a lot of meaty discussion with um, uh, locations like the Dartmoor Mansion and mm-hmm. uh, some of the later ones. But I I am curious to know your thoughts about um, the the Dubai uh, the first mission, which in a lot of ways acts like a uh, not terribly linear, but certainly fairly guided. Uh, tutorial that only then like kind of later opens up into you know it's it's repeatability uh what did you think of the way that like uh io interactive had started to weave uh much more guided sequences to start out some of these levels as the story of hitman which has always kind of been a like background uh just uh, uh a platform for doing all these funny hijinks as the story has become more front and center like did those moments of, you know, James Bond-esque, and we'll get into that later, uh, uh, did that stuff, like, stick out to you in a good way, or did it kind of, like, feel like, okay, come on, let's get to the thing I actually want here? How, how did that hit you? I think Hitman 3, there's going to be a lot of comparison um, between 2 and 1 when I talk about this, uh, but I think Hitman 3 hit, hit a, there again, that sweet spot for kind of, like, getting um, narrative to lead you into a mission story and have that mission story kind of show you how to get certain areas that, that you can then explore and iterate on and just redo and redo. I know Hitman 1 had, I don't remember what they called them, but they were mission stories, but they were lighter. They weren't as, like, not not quite as hand-holdy, not quite as in the forefront, um, more difficult to stumble upon. Hitman 2 had mission stories that I feel like held your hand a bit too much and didn't give you enough room to kind of, like learn and iterate and breathe. And I think Hitman 3, for the most part, the mission stories do a really good job of showing you, okay, you can go to this place and do this. You can interact with this mechanic to do this. And just kind of like leading you through areas without really showing you that you're being led. Like that's one thing I love about Hitman that it does so well is there's so many moments that are very obvious. Well, not obviously, that are very um, designed to give you an experience and make you feel like you're accomplishing something and make you feel like you're, it's your idea and you're pulling this thing off. But behind the scenes, there are factors that guide you towards that or that kind of like teach you how to do that along the way. And you don't essentially realize you're being taught. And that's something I think I said when we talked about Hitman 2, something very similar. But Hitman 3, I think, does that a lot better, which might be why it's clicking with more folks, too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hearing you say that kind of makes me think of I, I'm replaying. Uh, well, I'm playing Dark Souls 3 for the first time, and um, I'm, like, maybe three quarters of the way through Demon Souls, and just thinking about the way that, like, games establish a space, and um, and how when you move from a space to a different space in a game, 
depending on what type of game it is, of course, you can often feel um, like like that the outside the area outside of my immediate surroundings no longer exists in the mm-hmm. sense of like okay now now I've infiltrated um, this mansion or now I've infiltrated this underground uh, research facility and like yes i know that like there could be consequences that spill out into the other areas for things i do here but for the most part it's kind of like it's kind of like that that time you psych up yourself for like i know i'm walking into an area that's going to give me going to make me feel like i've achieve something or i've moved to a higher level of understanding mm-hmm. um that which is a quintessential hitman of like i have a new outfit what opportunity does this afford me now you know yeah and there's something to be said too about having areas that kind of like overlap and exist together without being separate um i feel like dubai the first level of the game does that very well where you're constantly jumping you have the two targets one of them kind of mingles along the main floor goes to the art exhibit and the other one's up at a penthouse and at first when you are introduced to level it's a lot of like okay well i can take out this guy how the heck do i get up there high security what's going on but as you kind of like learn like certain railings you can jump over and certain uh, like plants you can climb up um you find these ways that these levels are interconnected and actually kind of flow together in this really subtle way um, and that's, it's, it stands out a lot, uh, kind of in that way you're talking about with Dark Souls, where you go to, like, a certain area, and this is your area you're in now. Um, Hitman just kind of keeps you aware, awareness of everything going on without kind of it being overwhelming. Um, but there are levels, Chongqing, I think, uh, is really kind of segmented in a, in a Hitman, I don't know. It's really segmented where it doesn't quite hit that sweet spot, but that level's so pretty I won't even criticize it for, uh, feeling too big at times. I, I think that, um... <laughs> And this this ties a little bit into the um, Hitman Three as an audition for James, the upcoming James Bond game that IO recently announced and is upcoming like, 007, 007 game. 007, yes, excuse yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. Um, I you know I would love to see it. like if if a video game is where we get the non James Bond uh, 007 experience, like you know we get we finally get Idris Elba as 007 or something. Uh, count count me in. I I would love that. Um, the I think the the Hitman three as an audition for like 007, IO has become uh infinitely more aware of like how uh, uh like what ki- what kinds of areas a level will of course attract a player's eyes and what kind of moment naturally calls for a swell in motion the kind of like you know the the music starts to swell and you realize you're kind of walking into the belly of the beast finally Mm -hmm. after um you know exploring through the much more neutral stable areas of public access and for me that was the dubai mission where i i followed a uh i think a fairly like uh popular uh mission story where you get both of the targets in the same room your Mm -hmm. your associate slash brother uh you know gives them a monologue and is like all right agent 47 you know uh uh, deal with them now and when you walk to that large room that kind of like safe space that's just guarded by a shit ton of guards the the camera pans out and the music swells up a little bit and it's this gorgeous like rooftop kind of it's more like a pool or a a series of like tiny little lake installations it's not quite a garden but 
um, that a kind lot of, of gold, a lot of water, a lot of reflection, a lot of white. It's, yes. just, it's a gorgeous area. <laughs> ray tracing. <sighs> ray tracing. <laughs> uh, that that to me kind of spells out that they are um, really trying to flex the actual like emergent storytelling muscles that they uh, have developed over three games at this point. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. But um, my absolute favorite kind of like developer story that's been happening a lot lately is a uh, studio does so good at a certain gamer genre that they land their dream project. Like it happened <laughs> with like Larian and working on Baldur's Gate. I'm like, oh, this is so good. Yes. And then, yeah, like IO landing the uh, 007 license, like chef's kiss. So good. Mm. It's it's so much better than like uh, a developer, you know, has so much success with one genre that then they get picked up for something that is like completely irrelevant, like um, Eidos. Acquired by Microsoft to make a Halo game. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like like uh, the Tomb Raider team, uh, Crystal Dynamics mm-hmm. being forced to make a Marvel's Avengers game that like really like you you know they're a team that's good at a single player like semi-open world kind of thing why mm-hmm. are we making a like you know persistent online multiplayer thing with I, blah 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 <laughs> one of the um one of the other things i really appreciate too about the way spaces interconnect with one another in the hitman levels and i noticed this particularly in uh the dartmoor mansion level is mm-hmm. you have you have this uh, dichotomy between wealth and the systems that upheld that uphold that wealth, and you know, for me, that's like you have all the various rooms and uh, opulence of the main mansion areas, the the areas that people want you to see, of course, but then you walk through the dining room or something and there is a single door to the kitchen where mm-hmm. it's very tight it's very modest it's it's painted and dressed up like you would expect a place where a lot of uh, middle to lower class folks work and they're all like slouched over in chairs in the break room smoking a cigarette uh, or, or like, you know, shooting the shit about the latest gossip, you know, the things that they overhear, uh, all the stuff that you do, you know, when you're like, I worked food service for like five years, <laughs> like, oh my God. the If their boss saw them leaning on that counter, they would get written up. Like, If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. It's like, oh, I'll gosh, kill no. you where you stand. <laughs> Oh, uh, Sapienza in Hitman 1 did that really well, too, where the kind of mansion area that you can explore has these, like, polished floors and these wonderful banisters, and you Mm. go down uh, into, like, the wine cellar area, and then you go into the staff rooms, and it's just, like, it's stone. It's just stone with an arch in it, and kind of, like, very difference there. But, like, that also serves a really uh, really cool design purpose of, like, Hitman is a stealth game. Mm-hmm. and stealth games can be so intimidating and because you have they're hi- sneaking around is high stress like getting to know how to like dodge a line of sight it's a high stress affair but by giving you these areas where you are quote-unquote behind en- enemy lines but nobody's hostile to you you're just kind of seeing them exist it kind of like makes stealth feel more accessible in that way mm-hmm. it's just like hitman's all about these tiny little like mind tricks to like teach you to learn things and teach you to be comfortable with things and teach you to kind of like expand your horizons and I don't know, figure out the comfort of an uncomfortable situation. And those tiny little areas are great for world world building, great for just kind of like creating a cohesive, immersive experience, and also great for kind of like 
making stealth feel less intimidating when you're new to something like hitman it's it's wonderful yeah because the the best thing in a lot of hitman levels is when you get that like chief of security outfit that's like yeah. okay i i can, I do can go everywhere <laughs> i want like i'm the boss yeah even though like everyone would know what the boss looks like because like oh shit look out here comes the boss uh i he just I, got a haircut he's just bald now yeah fine. He's, he's fine like hey as a fellow bald man i i sympathize aiden actually wants me to dress up as agent 47 for like <laughs> do it, I don't do know, it, do next it. halloween or something i gotta get more buff like i feel like i don't have that body mat that threatening body mass but maybe that maybe that's for the better <laughs> you just gotta you know? It'll... go hang from a ledge for like 10 hours and i think that's how you do it you just hold there by your fingertips and then the your shoulders just start buffing up it's got to be the secret. Exactly. Yeah. Climb. Climb a lot of uh, <laughs> drainage pipes. Yeah. Yep. Um. Oh gosh. What was I gonna say? I, I think the um. You know. It's it's weird too. They. I think that there's definitely a split between new Hitman players and and more uh, older Hitman players. When you get into locations like Dartmoor and the Berlin Rave, um, where uh, I the Berlin Rave was not I my favorite. I don't know how favorite. you feel about okay. <laughs> it, it was not my favorite level of all of them, but I liked how, in retrospect, I liked how the fact that you you don't know who your target is, which mm-hmm. is for the more recent Hitman games like a really novel thing. It's like oh shit, I I have nothing because usually you can see their little red indicator mark from clear across the map. And it's like, okay, you know, like, okay, how do I get yeah, from A I'll to B? I'll plan out my approach from here. I yeah. have this information. I have these, like, different, like, uh, mission stories I can do. But Berlin's just like, you're on your own. Yeah, Berlin's like the, the quintessential, you know, Bourne-esque, uh, uh, behind enemy lines kind of thing. What was I saying? Uh, the, the, yeah. The, Berlin. You, you are behind enemy lines and... It it plays with like, okay, now I actually have to explore this space in a way that makes sense. And it was a little confusing at first because I'm like, well, do I have to actually do something to trigger this? I walked around but... that gas station for like five minutes being like, where do I go? <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, ooh, I have a coin. I wonder what I can do with this. And I bought a soda at the... <laughs> the, like, the yep, yep. little pop dispenser in the back. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, emergent. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I... Uh, but yeah, go having to like basically make your way through this area uh with you know it, it felt very similar to the um the fashion show from hitman 2016 mm-hmm. and i with with kind of like that central dance area and then the like subsequent like two or three levels uh around the sides sorry my phone's not on the now it is cool and when like the few like there were a few times where um you know you overhear a conversation and like you're so used to overhearing conversations in hitman that i was like it was interesting to be reminded that like oh like these conversations aren't necessarily just uh background chatter or uh, you know scene filler um or Mm -hmm. deliberate uh ties ties to mission stories you know telegraphing something of like oh hey did you hear the back door is busted or something like that no uh it it was like actually you know overhearing like someone having a conversation that you wouldn't normally have in a berlin rave like you know Mm -hmm. you know hey uh have you have you located the agent yet you know like uh and being able to act on those moments of discovery relatively quickly as opposed to of course planning out some elaborate thing 
mm-hmm. setting something in motion i thought was like a really interesting um change up because it, it it forced me to think okay I have to get this guy before he walks out of this area as opposed to, mm-hmm. okay, I have to wait for this guy to walk all the way across the map and like then drop a chandelier on him. Um, and this far into the Hitman games, you're so used to having the upper hand. Yeah. And this takes it, takes it from you and forces you to improvise, but it does it in a way that doesn't feel overly harsh. Like it was a very strange level to get used to where you're walking around and just kind of like, okay, I'm going to sneak from here to here to here. Here's this person. I can either follow them around, figure out their route like I would in a normal mission, or I can kind of take the opportunity and do what I can now because I know I have this moment now and I don't know when this window will open up again. And it really kind of like, oh, I don't remember who it was, but um, someone on Twitter made the observation that it was the first time in the Hitman um, World of Assassination run um, where like the since 2016 uh hitman 2016 where they felt like they were on the hunt where they were the master Mm -hmm. hunter like tracking down a target this is the first time that kind of like that feeling clicked with them because they were actually going through and navigating in that way Uh, it's interesting because like it it fits really well in the level flow of the overall arc of the hitman 3 like six levels that are presented um but it's one of two levels that is very different um and one thing i have i worry i don't worry about one thing i'm curious about is how they design to kind of like make those levels that are different from the norm um, really good on a first playthrough and then still have replayability. They, I think they nail it with Berlin. I'm not sure how I like if you go in um, to Berlin after you've already completed it, all the targets are highlighted. Mm-hmm. Not, I wish that you could toggle that a little bit more. I'm not sure I like that 100%. Um, but I know the later level has some uh, issues with uh, replayability for the final level that has been a bit controversial controversial so i uh i I was kind of googling and i i saw there was some sort of controversy can you explain that what's that with the cur oh god i can't say it carpathian mountains is the one i'm talking about yeah something like that well yeah i have a lot of thoughts about that final mission (laughs) as just as like a a a book into the plot but i i'll I'll let you have the floor for a second there Yeah. yeah um so the level itself, oh, spoilers, is uh, your light spoilers. You're moving. It's very linear in the fact that it is literally you moving down a line. The level is sh- it's a train. You start at the back car mm-hmm. and you move to the front car. And you can, excuse me, either sneak along the top and kind of like dodge in and out of windows and do it like stealthy like. Or you can kind of go through. There's no penalty for, there's no non-target kill penalty because everyone's kind of a bad person on this train. So if you take them out, no harm, no foul. Uh, so your score won't get dinged as long as you hide the bodies appropriately. So it gives you those kind of like, well, I guess three avenues. You can run and gun, mayhem, you can kind of like sneak, assassinate your way through, or you can try to stay silent and undetected the whole time. And I think that's neat. Um, but there's no real uh, shortcuts you can jump on. There's no... Somebody... The leaderboard on PlayStation 4, someone beat it in like two minutes or something. Jeez, I don't know yeah. how that was done. I'll look it up later. But, yeah, it's very linear. It kind of doesn't give you that exploration freedom. It doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to learn the environment and improve on that when you replay it next. Um, But personally, I think the narrative value that it gives uh, makes it okay to have those short fallings. Like, I'm okay with one level not having the same caliber of replayability when it has, like, this really – ties this really nice bow on a nice narrative arc and just has, like, some really cool parallels at the end. Like, I'm okay with it. I think I'm in the minority of people who enjoy that level. I've only played it, like, four times, but... (laughs) Only four. I don't know. Only four. (laughs) 
the... I just spent like the entire day playing Dubai to 100% my challenges today. Like only four is very small. <laughs> yes, following following your Twitter account in the immediate aftermath of a Hitman release is a, a, a treat. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, the the thing with the Carpathian Mountain level that I I I couldn't escape this thought was you know this is so much like Hitman Absolution, which I think is commonly regarded as one of the weakest Hitman entries because mm-hmm. there are. Uh, I, uh, numerous moments in that game where they're trying to do more of like a like a, a Batman Arkham Asylum slash uh, Splinter Cell linear like hey just yeah. figure out this quick puzzle it's linear you'll never come to this area again and it's more about just hunkering down undercover until you can get behind somebody and I think Absolution does have some depth, but it's harder to find. And it's the yeah. same thing with this level where the depth is not... I don't know if there's depth. Yeah, I like... There's probably like a couple of areas where it's like, okay, do you want to go through this door or this window? And Left window or right window? Exactly, yeah. And it's like, I, I did appreciate that there were some moments where it's like, you could be seen outside the windows. Uh, like, it's, it's entirely possible for you to mess up and mm-hmm. I assume get shot off into the snow. But uh, yeah, like I... In general, I was like, I'm fine with like little bookend levels, kind of, you know, putting a pin on that story. And um, it it just to me felt like, okay, w- the the ending of Hitman 2 with the level where you kind of go to this like island castle where like the Illuminati mm-hmm. are having their like mask party or whatever. Uh, <laughs> when you, you take out the one or two targets there and then you have to kidnap the constant, the mm-hmm. uh, like bald white guy. Andrew Edwards. Yeah, is that is that his like IRL yeah. name? Yeah. Uh, I, I think so. Because he's the villain of this game too, I think. Yeah. I don't, that's not a spoiler. That's in the opening cutscene. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it, it, it's, we'll, we'll get to story spoilers more specifically. Arthur later, Edwards. I sorry, I can't. I had to correct myself. Arthur Edwards. I Carry on. I'm sorry. No, no it's just, I, I was like, Okay, I I loved how in Hitman Two you actually got to um, uh, uh, kidnap him, and that was mm-hmm. the end of that arc of the narrative. Is like you managed to in some way outsmart this like seemingly un or outsmartable man, uh, mm-hmm. this like infinitely powerful Illuminati figure who for the record like has the voice acting on that guy whoever that guy like give that guy a, a raise he is threatening <laughs> and, a and a glass of water and a glass so gravelly mrs burnwood could you please give me a glass of water my throat is a little parched <laughs> you think you understand but you don't please give me some water uh, you've got a career as his understudy if they ever bring him back thank you i've i've yeah. uh i've been wanting to get into amateur voice acting maybe that's my calling yeah is being oh, shitty go. uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> illuminati antagonist yeah uh i i thought that like it's funny to care about the story in a hitman game you know yeah. i i think the part that it's funny that they've had the same voice actor for agent 47 all this time which mm-hmm. is really like just speaks to you know whoever was the casting director originally uh seeing like ooh, this guy has like all the depth we need and then some uh mm-hmm. but then like the stuff with diana burnwood the stuff with um uh andrew edwards the constant and some of the other story moments that are a little more serious like i i love love loved the way that this game not only like started levels with um you know like one-off fairly linear 
narrative beats like Berlin starting at that gas station. But I, did, I also loved how it wove narrative um, through the missions a little more, it's especially the end of the Dartmoor mission where as soon as you take out your um, target, you get uh, like a radio transmission, I think first from Diana, you know, saying like, hey, we've been compromised. And then as you're like exiting the front door, like you get another call that's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm being hunted. This might be my last transmission to you. Go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And that that was very funny to me because it was kind of peeling back the the safety I typically you typically experience during a hitman game. Uh, as mm-hmm. you are walking out that front door, you, you're on cloud nine. You just kicked off the perfect assassination. Uh, if they've found the body, they haven't found it anywhere fast enough to track it back to you yet. And mm-hmm. you can kind of start feeling like, you know, someone someone down the hallway gets a radio called, you know, we found a dead body and it's like, you're already out the door. But that moment getting those radio calls uh, was like, Ooh, I feel like, do I need to sprint out of here? Like, is this going to be a rush for my life kind of thing? I was like panning the camera around looking for like on like the helicopters and people to drop the ladders down and like descend on me at that point. Like, uh, yeah, I feel like the first two Hitman games in this saga, you could play through them and then be like, wait, what was the story again? Because mm-hmm. it's it's there. Like, you can watch the cutscenes and there's, like, ties between all the missions that carry through. But, like, it's fully possible to play the game and ignore the story, miss the story, not really grasp the story. And this one was more intertwined, um, obviously. And, yeah, those moments are really good. And it kind of speaks to that... Um, the difference in kind of balancing replayability with uh, introducing narrative that I mentioned before, where they handle that really well, where they want to uh, make missions feel narratively compelling. But if you do that every mission, every replay, that's going to get repetitive and people are going to like, not like the amount of hand-holding, hand-holding but it, they navigate it around that. And Dart, yeah, the Dartmoor mission is a really good example of that. You are right. Yeah. I can tell that's your favorite one because every time there's like an example of uh, something that's good in Hitman, you're like, yeah, and then in Dartmoor, this happened. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, though, like now that I've gotten a few days away from it and I was and I was replaying it um, earlier this week just to make sure I had everything I wanted for this chat. But uh, I, I don't know what my favorite mission is. Like Dartmoor is oh, definitely really? up there. Um, I think the Chongqing China mission, you know, very like mm-hmm. neo cyberpunk, not, not quite cyberpunk. It's just a lot of neon lights and a sunny, you know, like ray tracing. Uh, I, I wonder though, um, cause one of the, one of the like key issues I had with the Dartmoor one was, um, I appreciated for all the same reasons we mentioned, like how the, the non-combat narrative of, of impersonating the detective and like getting to, uh, uh, what's the, what's the knives out guy, uh, LeBlanc. 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 Yeah. Um, I forget what his first name is, but... Uh, Inspector. Inspe- Inspector <laughs> Gusto. Uh, the, the way... The thing that I loved about Knives Out, um, which I saw in the theaters with uh, a good friend Josiah Renan, like, the best thing about that story is how very early on it's revealed like, oh, this isn't going to be a typical murder mystery, a whodunit. It's going to be a we-know-whodunit and how are they going to get out of it? Uh, how are mm-hmm. they going to get out of the consequences and like what's going to transpire as a result? Um, and and the fun, the the very um, uh, Hitchcockian fun of like, I know what's happening. When will this character uh, realize what's actually happening? And 
the Dartmoor mystery, the coolest thing I think about it, and this is spoilers, you know, so uh, avoid this if you really want to. I I appreciated how it kind of complicated the family narrative. Like this is a very typical um family of rich assholes who all hate each other they're all hanging out in separate rooms which is a very like like a a game designer's dream i think of being able to like okay in this room we're only going to have these characters that like and it it lets you naturally explore and interact and get a little more Mm -hmm. background in a in a generally samey place but um when they complicate that family dynamic by ultimately revealing um who killed the uh the uncle um i was like "Ooh, okay that's that's probably the most interesting thing about this and i was kind of waiting for one extra step of like do it can i confront this person this murderer can i you know like and really in the Did end you? they only give you the like hey tell the lady the truth tell the lady a like true enough fake story to just you know get what you want and get out of there or I think there might be like a, a I, I found out nothing, sorry. Um, and Conversely, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you here go for, for a second. It, go for it. There, there are elements of that, though, because if you find out who this person is and who did it, instead of turning them in, if you uh, kind of follow them around for a little bit after that family meeting, they go to a certain place and you can um, facilitate another murder where mm-hmm. you can kind of nudge them into taking out your target for you as mm-hmm. part of their plot. So, like, there are some, like, bigger elements of, like, it, uh, the murder mystery expanding into larger consequences and ripples throughout the world. They're not so, um, not as, like, uh, flagposted as, like, other, um, events or intel moments in Hitman, in, like, Hitman 3 so far. Mm -hmm. But, like, figuring that out and being like, okay, well, if I go to this place and I repair this thing, this person will come here, realize that, oh, their plot's back on and they can take out my target for me. That that's a pretty cool evolution of the murder mystery. I yeah. think not to spoil that beat for you if you didn't find it. No, but. no, I you know it's funny you say that because I I sort of did um, when I eventually got like the key for the the greenhouse in the backyard. I mm-hmm. for for some reason I didn't like notice that she, that uh, the the murderer was hanging out in there. So I got the bit of dialogue where it's like, "Oh, you startled me. I'll just see myself out." <laughs> and I was like, "The the fuck you will." Uh, and I I was like, "Okay, there's a there's a, a, a interactable here that like I'm sure can play into some other stuff." Um, so good good to know that like that's capitalized on. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I thought that like the 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 most interesting thing about Knives Out was like you know t- deconstructing the murder mystery narrative whereas this is very much a a truly Agatha Christie slash like Hercule Poirot kind of like mm-hmm. how grand is this machination as opposed to uh, a murder that happened in a fit of passion and now like the person was scrambling to uh uh cover it up you know because like mm-hmm. the, the 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 plan in that murder mystery of the of the murder the plan of the murder is very fucked up i thought like what did what did you think it's yeah because there's like the background for why the character wants to do the murder is like it took me a second of like reading the letter to be like oh this is kind of messed up and uh, yeah uncomfortable <laughs> yeah i was like "Ooh, this is like wow how deep does this grudge run yeah. like holy shit 
but I, I enjoy the kind of, like, narrative of the... It, I think the twist happens before we're on the case where uh, the pers- the murderer goes to this thing expecting to go to their mo- their mother's funeral. Um, or mother-in-law or mother and sister. I can't remember all their family relationships there. Um, and they're they're like, okay, cool. This is my opportunity to take out this other person, right this wrong, do this thing I've wanted to do forever, and kind of, like, fix the inheritance line and get control back into the situation um and then kills uh zachary who is the uncle um and then the next morning the mother they thought was dead finds that turns out she's faked her on death and comes down from dinner and the murderer is like shit what do i do now mm-hmm. and that's kind of like where you pick up the threads in there so there's kind of that cool twist and cool like uh i don't know adapt um iterations on a whodunit um, but it does kind of happen before we're at the mansion. I don't know. It's an interesting story. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I like ultimately I was like, ooh, this is definitely one of my my favorite ones. Um, and it's it's just so fun to kind of like fuck with rich people, you know? It's <laughs> God, there's something so good about fucking with rich people in these games and being like, how do I exploit your incestuous money hungry you know assholery uh mm-hmm. and, and turn it against you is a very satisfying gameplay loop i think yeah yeah uh, there's uh, uh it's just i just i just finished doing a bunch of dubai today and i did the um one of the challenges where you have to trigger an evacuation and these two like mil- like millionaires who are really upset and worried about the state of their affairs because they're having a fight with the constant or whatever um they're like, oh, we have to escape. We'll go to our helicopter. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know where the key is. They're like, oh, I guess we'll have to go parachute off the building. And it's like, these are your options. <laughs> Just take the elevator down, man. And they're like, no, no, no. We got we to gotta, we gotta do this in style because we're rich. We got to do everything mm-hmm. with, uh, with grandiose. Fetch me my gilded parachute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like what else. Uh, the You know, let, let's talk a little bit about what does this mean for those 007 games because i i am excited to think like this this is definitely the the quintessential team i would think of like oh they they would make a good bond game assuming it's not a um like a first person shooter or mm-hmm. it's funny to think of the hitman games as um immersive simulators in the same way as like Deus Ex or Dishonored or you know mm-hmm. all all the classics because of course, yeah, you have all your multiple routes of entry and and uh, uh, a, a open environment that allows for that uh, level of options. But um, I I looked back at like some of the older 007 games, you know, Goldeneye, Nightfire. Um, uh, was it the the world ends with you? I think the Pierce Brosnan <laughs> one I had on N sixty four. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh tomorrow Depends. i think might be tomorrow tomorrow never dies i think might be one of the the mm-hmm. better ones i rented six thousand times from family video uh it it was funny to reacclimate myself with those games and realize like wow okay these are actually i wouldn't call them an immersive sim because the tech was just not there and i think that they were still going for you know uh triple a hollywood triple a for the time hollywood actions explosions action, explosions yeah. but there were quite a few moments in those games that encouraged like, okay, you're just, you're at a party, like, you know, find the door that you got to get through, mm-hmm. watch some story beats happen, uh, you know, sneak around and like, yeah, most missions, it's almost like Call of Duty, like everything ends in a shootout. 
but uh it, it was funny to see how much those old games still touched on immersive sim ish qualities and i mm-hmm. think if that can be translated to you know a much more uh modern 007 game that could be great what do you think the gadgets i'm the that's gadgets. kind of where i'm at is like all your cool like the narrative like mixing narrative and stealth and all that stuff in a accessible way is something i was great at and that's gonna go well but like the other thing is uh with the hitman games designing for all of these weird gadgets you can have like you can have a phone that when someone picks it up it electrocutes them you can have a rubber ducky that explodes Mm -hmm. you can have just a block of c4 a lock pick a pen you can stab someone with that makes them throw up like all these weird different gadgets and then designing levels that allow for opportunities with these um, and especially when you have, um, I'm getting back to 007, I promise. That's okay. Um, but when you, when you have like Hitman 2016, Hitman 2, and Hitman 3 all playable in the Hitman 3 thing, you have all your unlocks from the earlier games and you're able to bring those forward and use them in levels that like might not have been designed with them in mind, but they still fit and taking like unlocks from Hitman 2 and using them in Hitman 1 levels where those levels definitely weren't designed for all these different gadgets. And there's still ways to make that gameplay feel rewarding. And that, I think, is kind of why I'm really excited for IO to tackle a 007 game, because allowing for all those kind of, like, weird, like, oh, 007, here's a pen that when you press this button, it makes your car explode, or, like, just something weird, those weird Q gadgets. Allowing for all that, like, freedom and kind of, like, getting away from those action beats where everything ends in a gunfight, like, just zeroing in on just the kind of versatility of um, the different, like stuff you go into a mission with as a 007 or as a 47. I think that's going to be where it shines, just giving you that power to embrace versatility and design for all different kinds of things, but keeping to a theme. Yeah. I, I would I would hope that IO, um, of course, doesn't make it a, a very much of a shooter game, because, of course, like the, the worst part about Hitman is it, it, it's a great game, and, you know, it's it's one of my absolute favorites of, like, the last, you know, half decade but um it's it's not a stealth game that's terribly good about uh you know when shit hits the fan a good stealth game is still fun to play and i think that hitman you know you're meant to hopefully never be caught or in a out and out firefight but yeah if if you go guns blazing like uh it's it's a mediocre third person shooter at that point It's so weird to me that Hitman gives you unlocks for like, oh, now you have a shotgun. I'm like, great. Great. Throw it in the trunk. Never going to use it. Never going to use that. Uh, It was so funny to have like, I think the the Carpathian Mountain mission has like silent shotgun. And I'm like, what the fuck? I played Splinter Cell uh, Blacklight on the Xbox 360. um, And I loved that game so much because this was before I knew how to play stealth games. I'm like, this sucks. I'm bad at it. Uh, But I would just get a shotgun and like sit in a doorway and just like pop people as they came out. And I'm like, no, this is great. This is great. Small mountain. Doing that in a Hitman level kind of uh, scratched that same itch. It was good. (laughs) Yeah, but um, I I, I think that, and it's funny how so much of the even like pre hitman 3 narrative style can work for uh, a 007 game i think or at least what we like mm-hmm. would commonly you know see as like a, a classic or modern james bond um you have the dark uh illuminati-esque uh, organizations kind of crisscrossing with like the daniel craig style bond so it's it's a little darker a little more serious but the, of course there's also that goofy 
uh, uh, Brosnan slash um, uh, George. What's his name? George. What was the second Bond? Um, I forget his name. Uh, yep. The, I don't remember. I'm sorry. The classic. You know, I know his face. Uh, what's that? I know his face. Yeah. Doesn't help on a podcast, gonna, but I know his face. Help. But anyway, you know, the, the, the moonraker of era of Bond, I think, you know, is, is quintessential hitman of like, this is so goofy mm-hmm. and like, it's so weird that like I'm fighting a metal mouthed giant in space, but whatever, we're here. This guy throws his hat at me? Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the hat with <laughs> the banana with perfect accuracy. Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, but I think that a lot of the best 007 stories similarly are focused on like, well, this ultimate villain, this target is another rich asshole who is using their (laughs) wealth for either like fairly benign uh, or mundane, you know, uh, destroy the world kind of stuff, like start a nuclear war kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. it, but it, it, I like um, tomorrow never dies because that was like, they used, oh, this guy runs a news conglomerate and he's going to use that to like spark a nuclear war or something. And that to me feels like, okay, that that filters into a really good um, mission briefing in Hitman Mm -hmm. uh, where you're like, here's this guy behind the scenes. He's like got some nuclear missiles and shit, but like on the surface, he's a News Corp CEO, you know? Yeah, I never, I guess, I never realized until uh, the IO007 announcement came up exactly how much, like, how how much James Bond and 007, James Bond and 47 have, like, the the missions and the narrative overlaps and he's like, yeah, taking out these rich assholes and going in and infiltrating and doing this because the characters are so, so different. (laughs) Like, 007 is stoic with, like, er, 47, too many sevens. 47 is stoic with like a little bit of humor in humorous situations. And James Bond is just like charmed, cranked up to 15. Mm -hmm. But uh, it'll it'll be interesting. But I never realized like they had to be like heavy inspirations from these older Bond movies and books. Like, yeah. Yeah, I I cackled every single like they, they did a really good job of peppering in 47 making a joke at just like you spend just enough time where he's like stoic and calm and then someone's like oh the you know the right clothes can make the right impression he's like oh i know uh i always dress to kill i always dress to kill yeah and i was like god damn um that that's oh, perfect there's another moment where hitman 3 does something like hitman 2 cranked that um silliness level lever up level knob yeah i don't know making him wear a, a little a bit higher yeah in the first level absolutely yeah yeah it was a little like more ham-fisted with the comic relief and then i think hitman 3 kind of dialed it back in a good way to have that like that really fun balance i'm just hitman 3 does a lot of things that the other two games did but it doesn't like perfectly or like super well yeah. it's great i um you know in the in the couple of minutes we got left here how about we talk real quick about we didn't discuss um the chongqing china level or the uh, argentina vineyard level very much and oh the vineyard yeah i think that those are really well done levels that re- very deceptively large um mm-hmm. what grape lady right Yes, uh, Aiden just made the smashing motion. Uh, uh, good lord, like, yeah, if you like, I didn't squish her, I pushed her into the um, the blades. So, I don't know if that's the less violent way to get out of that situation. I get the impression it might be that poor lady. Oh my god, so this is where I think 
Hitman 3 got a little extra buggy for me and this I'm sure that they'll patch this out very quickly if they haven't already but um when I pushed the uh lady who like goes on the 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 vineyard tour with you and Diana Burnwood um mm-hmm. you can push her into a like grape smasher and the guy the tour guide you know makes some crack about like oh the the practice of of doing it with your feet is like a tourist thing like the you know of course we're using machines to like get this product out the door but mm-hmm. um uh oh, what was i going to say uh yeah yeah just smashing her was this like level of hyper violence that i think some level designer had been like saving for five years and saying like where can i make this make sense like you know the, uh, the they had this great press that they took out of the sapienza level like i can't make it fit here yeah. i really want it but i know i can't and they're just like now is my time <laughs> oh yeah my, my my ultimate point was this is where the game like bugged out for me because as soon as i smashed her and like her you know blood like starts kind of seeping into the drain the it updated my mission to say dispose of the body and i'm like what fucking body uh and little mission icons popped up at all of the possible um like wine tanks that you could have theoretically pushed her into and i was like oh god is her blood filtered into all of this wine now? Oh <laughs> shit! And I think it was it's just actually a, a tie-in for Resident Evil Village, right? Did yeah. you play that demo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is God. What a, what a good year for wine. Making some maiden's games. blood wine. Some maiden's blood. Ooh, not at all <laughs> subtle about that metaphor. Uh, but yeah, what, what did you think about either the the vineyard level or uh, the China level? Because those those two, I don't know if they would be like my absolute favorites in the uh, series, but they are definitely up there. Uh, this is where it's kind of a downside that the week Hitman came out was so busy for me, I didn't get to play that much. So I'm a little bit behind where I want to be uh, playing through all the levels a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've only played through Chongqing and uh, not Mumbai. Uh, the vineyard level, like, twice maybe mm-hmm. not not enough to really get to know them um but i chunking at first hasn't really jived with me yet because it's got it reminds me a lot of mumbai from hitman 2 mm-hmm. uh where you have this like giant city with these different like you have slums and you have like this film pr- uh, producers like really rich looking area and these three different targets in these three very different areas and it feels really segmented, um, where it's, the overlap's not as comfortable as I would like, where I feel like I take out this person and then I go to a completely different level, essentially, to take out the other person. Mm-hmm. And that might get better the more I play Chongqing, um, but I'm not there yet. So I kind of, like, jury's out on that one still. Um, but the vineyard level is just, like, ripe with possibility. Uh, wine joke, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it took me but, a second. Like, I'm sorry, getting... I'm so stupid. No, it took me a second, too, as I was saying it. Uh, I just, bad puns. It's what I'm here for. But, yeah, it's just, it, I want to explore that one more because just, like, I kept getting distracted from taking out the targets because I wanted to, like, go through and kind of, like, figure out, okay, is there a different way I could do this? There's this guard room up here. What all can I do here? Um, but uh, the vineyard level does this exceptional thing. It has, like, one of the most, like, narratively... Um, weighted, like heavy um, mission stories you can do where when you get to the end, it feels like a cutscene almost mm-hmm. when you're helping uh, Diana, like take, like you're working with Diana on this thing and, or working with or against, you don't know for much of it and it's really weird, but then you get to this moment where you have this chance to do something and it feels very scripted um, to the point where 
I, I was you take out the target and I lost my silent, silent assassin. Mm-hmm. One, it was a really badass moment. I'm like, go Diana, I love you. Um, but I was mad because I'm like, well, this is a my silent assassin's gone. Guards walk in, saw it happen. I'm like, ah. So then I just kind of reloaded my save back, and then I'm like, okay, how can I keep it with the mission story, still get this really cathartic ending for this like tiny arc that's been happening at the vineyard, and still get my silent assassin thing? So I found a way to like distract one of the guards outside while she was having her big cool speech and like grab another guy around the corner and just make sure everything was set so I could take this guy out with and keep my silent assassin rating. So that was a really cool moment. Um, that's all I've really gotten because I've only played it one time, I think. Uh, but I don't know. It, it makes me really hopeful for the possibility of they're, again, deviating from the set narrative beats to kind of like still have your own touch on what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think like one of the strengths of immersive sims is the, those emergent story moments that like are are your own mm-hmm. or like feel very natural because that's the nature of an immersive sim is like oh i stumbled into this opportunity or i uh i set up this elaborate plan that took 40 minutes to like actually kick off kind of thing mm-hmm. and yeah the the vineyard level is is really peak that it's it's linear to a it, it's not it's not linear, but it, those mission stories are linear to a fault where it can be like, ah, shit, okay, what, what's the right way to do this as opposed to what's the way that I would want to do this sometimes? Mm-hmm. But um, I did like that payoff, and I like how uh, uh, it, it, it weaves really beautifully with the social stealth aspect that actually yes. I wrote a I wrote a, a article for PC Gamer about the original Assassin's Creed and how much I miss that social stealth mm-hmm. element and hitman is kind of my fix for that these days of like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm hiding in plain sight and i'm gonna kill you and you won't even realize it until it's too late kind of thing as opposed Being up to in the rafters you know, in yeah. the hospital at a in, sorry in assassin's creed one up in the rafters and like dropping down on some guy was like one of my favorite video game moments yeah. and none of the other assassin's creed games emulated that no. and then hitman happened <laughs> and then hitman and it's like yeah put hitman. this guy in a white coat and a hood please uh, <laughs> i think my favorite thing about the chongqing china level um, and if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm terribly sorry I to my right. listeners. But uh, is the the similarly to the Dartmoor Mansion and um, uh, less so Berlin, but yeah, similarly to Dartmoor, it, it highlights the way like wealth and fascism kind of interface in unique mm-hmm. ways from region to region and and culture to culture and and class to class. Uh, you start up, you know, you're walking through the train station and you get this, you know, they, they clearly crafted this walk up with care. You get all the neon lights bathing you in the rain and it's, it's so good. It's so Blade Runner. Ray Tracing. Ray Ray Tracing. Uh, and then. It's a flex. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Sorry. And and it it was fun to go from, I killed the, the mind control guy first and like, he's kind of, you know, just hiding out in like a shitty abandoned apartment that's like yeah there's Mm -hmm. lots of tech here but like it's still like a shitty apartment and Mm -hmm. then when you finally get down into the underground and it's sleek and it's modern and like you know managed by ai and just complete reverse of the decay and neon soaked hell that is up above uh very similarly Mm -hmm. to the um uh was it marrakesh uh uh where you go into the, like the swedish consulate kind of thing after the yep. the protest but when there's like a protest going on in war yeah yeah and to make it to make a long story short i liked how 
they establish that, you know, hey, this lady who lives underground with her wealth and her technology is monitoring the top level with her drones. She's like, she's staying outside. They're taking great pains to hide their evil and their fascism and their Mm -hmm. control of the of their region whereas in dartmoor it's just flaunted you know like this is the (laughs) biggest fucking building in the region uh the wealth is flaunted from the moment you step onto the grounds and Mm -hmm. it's and they will shove the quieter less impressive parts of that into the background the you know the the break room of the kitchen um they will shove that to the smallest possible corner so you don't have so you don't have to see it and you can bask in the opulence whereas <laughs> the chinese level is like hide hiding the opulence with the poor and detritus if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah there's the the one kind of like it's just interesting how like uh, certain small little touches and levels can kind of characterize the villains of it but, like, there's one part of one of the mission stories you can do or one of the intel moments you can do where there's, like, ravens in a tree. And the lady um, of the house refuses to come down and analyze her gravesite where her, quote-unquote, fake body is going to be buried at her fake funeral the next day because those birds are making such a racket and she refuses to deal with it. They need to be out of her sight before she will even think of coming down to examine the, the preparations. And it's just kind of like this tiny little background thing where that serves a mechanical purpose, but it also speaks a lot to that kind of like characterization you're talking about where it's like, okay, it's telling me how these kind of like people have their own just bad motivations and how they're just kind of, I don't know how to word it. You worded it so well, so let's just go back to what you were saying, but it it shows that through like small touches throughout the world and environment and moments. Yeah, I... uh it's it's I, I was reading a pc gamer interview of the i think the creative director of at least hitman 3 it might have been the whole uh series but they were talking about how these levels are garbage until they're not um and it's really interesting to see how iterative uh those levels must have been as they were designing them of like okay mm-hmm. well we obviously want a mansion what can we put in the mansion and you think like they probably didn't start out with the idea for like secret hallways in a mansion that like mm-hmm. could interconnect or something or other uh, or how long it took them to actually do a they had been talking for years about doing a murder mystery map and probably you know saw knives out and was like well there's our answer uh is let, let's ape that old uh new england aesthetic and uh, it works like a charm but yeah, I, I don't want to keep you much longer, so... Oh, I could talk uh, is, about Hitman all day. No. Don't use me as an excuse. I love this. God damn it. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose, uh, you know, any other aspects of this, um, you're far and away the person I know who dives into these games the deepest. Um, any aspect about the gameplay narrative that, like, really mm. stick out to you? I I could maybe talk a little bit about um, how 47 and Diana's relationship uh, kind of closes. Oh, uh you know what well i I haven't even seen the secret ending yet so we'll we'll save that for another time but it's small but it's very i just did it just now um because i read about it but i didn't read what happens and it's uh just a small moment you can entirely miss um but it's it's very interesting it ties into some other things in the hitman series it's good Uh, i'm trying to think of anything i want to bring up uh i don't know uh i guess just real quick to touch on i wanted to mention this earlier but you had a really good sentence going i didn't want to dive in 
um, where kind of like knowing how to place characters and like having characters, there's a difference between like a, I don't know, like a quote unquote mid-level hitman player, just like your average, average Joe 47, um, just knowing where to be in order to take advantage of situations. But if you watch high level hit, like hitman players and like speedrunners and stuff like that, mm-hmm. who will run through a level and like shoot a bullet at a wall where nobody's around because they're like, no, if I shoot this, the guy one floor up will walk six feet to the right. And then I'll be able to sneak by here yep. and get this guy in the right position. Like just the sheer cacophony of possibilities with stuff like that. It's just, it's very interesting to watch. So like anybody who has played a little hitman or hasn't played hitman or isn't interested in it, I definitely recommend just kind of like, familiarizing yourself with the game enough to understand what's going on and then watch some of these insane plays to kind of like figure out how different mechanics work um because that's a really great way to also you're not going to be able to jump into the game yourself and be like yeah i'm going to do this wall bang and lure this target over here like it's not going to happen but there are small elements from those really complicated things that you can take and put into your own play that really enrich the game and i would just kind of encourage people to like hitman is all a lot about um learning from your mistakes in a way where even if you get in a gunfight you're like okay now i know this guard comes around the corner so next time i load up i can stay out of his cone of vision and just kind of like taking that from in the game and taking learnings from like these ridiculously good pro players and just kind of like merging it into your own experience is part of the magic of it mm-hmm. uh so i just want more people to appreciate that and do that and play hitman it's great it's so good and you know it, the we we were talking about like dark souls kind of games uh, earlier mm-hmm. same way in that like it, it teaches you a language that like it's it's not going to go easy on you and there even though like hitman is pretty good about like guiding you um and and like giving you those mission stories or like you know setting you up in a in a private room my cats are going fucking nuts uh even though hitman. it's setting you up like in a private room if you follow like a mission story progress enough uh when you go back to those levels, it kind of like reiterates how difficult it actually was, like how long it took you to like set up that perfect kill. And mm-hmm. I, I, I was doing a, a sniper kill on the China map um, and like having to figure out like, you know, I went to an area I I did not go at all before um, and learning the language of the game. And it's very easy to mess up and put yourself in a shit situation. And like, that can be really discouraging for some players. I'm sure for some who are coming to Hitman three, that might be the case of like, well, man, this sucks. Like as soon as I'm caught, like it's basically game over, I guess I'll load up Mm -hmm. again. But, uh, in the same way that like dark soul says, no, you have to learn these systems and you have to actually get good at that. Like, you know, get good at them. Uh, and it becomes more about your personal, uh, overcoming of a challenge as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, uh, being being handed something, ha- handed a victory. Like you do have to fight for that. And I, I, I do. I saw the uh, the Dubai speed run where the guy shoots at like the the wall next to one balcony. So the guy comes out, uh, pops him mm-hmm. in the head from like a hundred yards away, and then turns back like forty five degrees and shoots the other guy standing at the balcony and like speed runs it in sixteen seconds. Kind of thing is like. Yeah, it's so wow. impressive. I want to be that good someday. Like that is the people who make these routes are incredible. Oh, I said oh a second ago because I thought of something really cool I wanted to break up or bring up, and then it no, it's gone. I oh, lost it. Damn it. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, yeah, I think I think you're you're right on the money with the way that um, Hitman games allow for a level of personal expression too. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was really interesting to you know listen to other podcasts and see other uh, writers talk about it and. 
Um, uh, some people are, you know, like cool with just going around with their pistol and, you know, as soon as they get kind of a good moment, like putting a bullet in someone, some folks want that, uh, slightly more guided narrative experience of like, how can I make this chandelier or like, how do I get a very ironic death to happen? You know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, or how do I abuse someone's trust? And, uh, like even one of the best moments for me was, uh, going into the biker hangout at the Berlin rave, uh, uh, like get, poisoning someone's food and mm-hmm. of course the level doesn't tell you who the target is but i was like all right i think i'll i think i'll steal this guy's running to the bathroom because he has to puke and i'll go steal his outfit and it's like target eliminated and i'm like ooh, <laughs> bad luck for that guy good luck for me yeah i remember my cool thing and then i will let you wrap um uh, I, I just wish agent 47 had said your order's up you know. Oh man, he's got to say that somewhere in there. Maybe uh, one of the times where you can disguise as a chef in Dubai. I know you can ring a bell and serve food to the guy to kill him. That might be a line. I don't know. Revenge is um, a dish best served. You know, <laughs> piping hot. <laughs> All one-liners are better when said by that yeah. voice actor. It's just. But a you, fact. you were uh, you were gonna say. Yeah, uh, the last thing I like, I'm playing it on PlayStation Five because, like, by some miracle, we managed to get one on launch day. And the uh, solid state drive loading time revolutionary pitch that they had going into the PS Five, um, that f- I feel that in Hitman oh, so dude, much, dude, where totally. the trial and error is so much better because before you'd mess up and you'd be like, oh, I got spotted, better reload my save. I'm gonna go get a drink of water and come back because yep. the levels are so gonna big. Go make a now it's like. It's under a minute. It's ridiculous. It's so much easier to, like, learn and try and, like, oh, it's so good. I think that's part of the reason this game might be clicking with folks, too, is just because, like, a lot of things have been streamlined to take out those friction mm-hmm. points. And, like, oh, it's so good. No, it's so yeah, happy. <laughs> that, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I noticed that, too. And I was like, ooh, this is I, – I can't believe, like, I'm – I I, I save scummed my ass through this game so much because uh, that's just the mm-hmm. kind of player I am. And for once, it didn't feel I, I, I haven't played Hitman 2 in long enough that I, I kind of forgot like, ooh OK, is, what, was it always this good? But after like kind of going back and looking at it a little bit, yeah, it's it's yeah. fascinating and good on them for like maybe maybe that's just like the new world we live in where that ssd speed uh Mm -hmm. really capitalizes for everything but um good on them they took advantage of the tech available and that's very and like i know they i haven't played the older legacy levels yet because i'm still working my way through three stuff but like talking about how they optimized that and brought like the file size down and everything too like just taking out a bunch of these behind the scenes pain points by using the technology available to them it's a very good way to start the console generation i think yeah well, I think we will wrap up there. And yeah. Alyssa, where can people find you on Twitter uh, to follow your Hitman escapades? Yeah, you can find um, Hitman and pictures of my dog over at Glitchy on Twitter, but it's G-L-I-I-T-C-H-Y. Uh, I'll probably be tweeting more nonsense while I try to figure out a suit-only run for Dartmoor next. So yeah. that'll be fun. What yeah. um uh, I know this is probably a stupid question to ask in the age of pandemic, but uh, anything at work or uh, life that you're excited for projects coming up or anything that you want to like quick um, shout out? Gamasutra.com is great. You should always read us uh, yes. <laughs> for fun uh, video game industry news. Uh, we just put out an episode of the GDC podcast that I co-host on where we interviewed Greg Kasavin about Hades and roguelike development and working with a small team that 
it was a re- we haven't podcasted for a while. We've been kind of digging from the archives. This was our return, and it was a great episode, great conversation with a lot of great insight. Recommend checking that out. And then I don't know when you're going to be airing this, but at some point, I think next week from where we're recording, um, my coworker Bryant is running a Hitman 3 interview on Ooh, Sutra. Nice. I gave some questions for him to ask, so there's got to be some good content in there, too. Like, it's going to be great all around, and I'm curious to see how they uh, responded to some of my things. So <laughs> Just it'll be a surprise for you and me. Like hacking into Bryant's uh, uh, <laughs> Skype call and being like, I'll take over from uh, here. Thank basically. you. Yeah. Well, he's new to the series, so he has that perspective that, like, That's we true. haven't had time to chat about it, but I'm going to get into it. So having uh, his questions, I'm curious to see what he asked about, and I'm curious to see how they reacted to what I asked about. So it'll be a great interview whenever I think runs next week, early February. So Awesome. And folks, you can find the 1099 Podcast at the 1099 Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at Joseph Noop. That's uh, J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P. I almost forgot how to spell my own damn name. And, <laughs> uh, and please, you know, give the show a review, a rating on your pl- podcast platform of choice. And we appreciate that. That helps us rise up in the charts a little bit. And uh, we'll be organizing some future interviews here. Uh, kind of excited of a couple of the next couple of guests that we got coming up. And yeah, I thank you all again for, you know, giving us some time out of your day to let us gab about Hitman. And yeah, Alyssa, yeah. dude, it is it is always a blast to chat with you. Oh, yeah. Um, Anytime. And I, I appreciate you and I appreciate all that you give to the world of murder. Or the world of assassination. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Thank you. (laughs) All right, (laughs) folks. Now you take care and we will see you next time on the 1099.